0: welcome to powered by magic where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions let's take this journey together hi i'm tatiana and i'm sylvia and we're coming to you from eugene oregon we invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us Okay, as I said, I'm Tatiana, and I'm a high priestess who studied with a coven formerly known as Elven Earth. I studied for the traditional three years and a day, and I also taught for ten years. Mm, that's such a long time. Yeah, It was. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Sylvia. Uh, I'm
1: a solitary witch who's been practicing for six years. I learned from Tatiana for a yeah. year and a day. And I am an eclectic witch, so I follow my own path. And you do that
0: awesomely. Oh, thank you.
1: We're here celebrating today. Yeah, we just got our podcast set up. Set up. Yes, our equipment to
0: feel professional. Our mics, our headphones, the mixers. So hopefully, if we did this right, we sound better than we did in our first two episodes. Yes, that's the goal. And we decided to celebrate with some nice tropical drinks. So we might have a little, I don't know, slur here and there. (laughs) We might be a little tipsy. Just a little. (laughs) Okay. All right. This
1: week's episode is energy work, circle casting, and the moon. Yay.
0: First, let's start with the chosen deity for today's podcast. Sylvia, it's up to you. All right. Today's deity is Mayari.
1: I hope I'm saying that right. She is a Philippine, specifically Tagalog here, goddess of the moon, strength, combat, war, equality, and revolution. Revolution! Woohoo! She is described as a beautiful and charming young maiden that has lost one eye. She is the daughter of Bathala and a mortal woman. The mortal woman, we don't know her name, but she is just described as being mortal. She is sister to Apalaki, the sun god, and Tala, the goddess of stars. In some mythologies, Tala is Mayari's daughter. When Bethala died, he left no will. And Mayari wanted to rule the earth in conjunction with her brother Apalaki. Apalaki wanted to rule alone. So there was an ensuing battle between the siblings. Siblings battling? Never. Of course not. (laughs) The battle was fought with clubs. Apulaki injured one of Mayari's eyes, then he felt great remorse for it, so he gave up his hold on Earth and promised to rule with Mayari, but at different times. So Apulaki rules the day, and Mayari rules the night. She is moon, strength, combat, war, equality, and revolution. She is uh, a moon goddess, but she is also a goddess of battle. Interesting fact, it is said that the moon is dimmer than the sun because of Mayari's damaged eye. And her symbols are the moon, silver, clubs, swords, and bows. Ooh. Well,
0: I just want to ask you, because I don't know, why did you go ahead and choose Mayari for us today?
1: So I chose Mayari because she is a moon goddess, and we will be talking about the moon today. But she's also a goddess of action we're also going to be talking about things
0: to act on today great thanks that's a very good choice all right let's begin with energy work what is it it's the process by which we harness energy and focus it into an intention and to me it's learning to manipulate your own energy and eventually learning to work with other energies What's the purpose behind doing energy work as it pertains to magic? Mm. It's a vital piece in keeping both the magic and yourself safe as it provides a vessel to contain you and your work from outside negative forces. It's used as a safety mechanism. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it helps you direct your energy to the place it's wanted. This prevents backlash, having your magic go awry and or not work at all.
0: Okay, How do we work with energy? Well, I find that to be a really big answer. So guys, I'm gonna get long-winded and you may be hearing the bell of my little cat in the background. Her name is Ember and she's a year old. And from time to time, you may hear her lingering about and causing trouble. (laughs) (laughs) But she lends her energy to us. I used to teach working with energy in this way It starts with a meditation by silencing the mind and bringing yourself to the present moment in which you focus your energy to the center of your being. I suggest visualizing a small white light that grows inside as you focus on it and bring your energy together from all different parts of your being. That ball of light is the energy you're going to harness. You want to try to keep it as a ball of light initially, as a part of your first efforts in harnessing it. Once you feel it, you will then start directing it in your body. Eventually, you're going to bring it up into your dominant arm and focus it into the tip of your pointer finger. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. It's important to know that your dominant hand is your giving hand, uh, the hand you use to push energy away, and your non-dominant hand is your receiving hand, the hand that you use to bring energy in or back to you that's the beginning of learning to work with energy it starts from within this is the short version it starts from within and it takes practice often lots of it Mm-hmm. keep
1: in mind visualization is part of learning what your energy feels like and once you have the feeling of it down it makes it much easier to work with i love to practice moving energy around my body for me it's kind of a buzzing tingling feeling For others, it may be warmth, but primarily this is about learning
0: how your energy feels to you. Absolutely. Everybody has a different feel to it, which is what's like a fingerprint, really, a thumbprint Mm -hmm. fingerprint. What other methods can we use to feel energy outside of magic? There are many possibilities. One that I like to use as an example is yoga. Specifically, I like to work with a deck of cards called Basic Yoga for Everybody" by Gertrude Hirshey. It's a deck of cards with different levels of positions, associations, and explanations. It's something that you can really get creative with. I use this deck in class to get people to feel their energy in their body, to learn to center themselves, which is a form of meditation. I highly recommend this deck for anyone looking for a very easy and practical way to do yoga and energy work. I'm not a yoga person, and I honestly don't claim to know much about it, but what I feel I've surmised is that it works with the energy of your body. It's really important to learn what that energy feels like uh, before you start applying it outwardly or in magic, especially within a circle. Okay guys, we have a cat that's deciding to walk all over our section of the desk and making it a little difficult and distracting for us. Amber, come here, come here. Okay, moving on. Another form it can take
1: on is Reiki. Now keep in mind, I am no expert and I'm not currently able to do Reiki. It is a form of energy healing that comes from Japan. The learning of Reiki is done in stages by using special hand movements to unlock those stages. First, you learn to heal yourself, and then you slowly move on to others. I find it fascinating. Yeah, I do too. Also, using the energy of crystals and herbs is another form of energy use, one which uses the energy inherent in the world. Moving on, how do you
0: practice working with your energy outside of your body? One of the most common ways is to do all of that internal focusing first to bring your energy together. Imagine it going down both of your arms equally. Envision it as an energy in your hands that is flowing from one palm of your hand to the other. Center your mind on combining it all into a single ball. Stop and hold this for as long as you need before gently tossing it from hand to hand. This will feel different for everyone. For me, it's a hot energy that is so hot it feels cold. This particular manner is easier of the two ways that I teach working with energy. It's just a little less focused, more rounded than pointed. We see people in movies, you know, with gaming and directing fireballs this way. hmm I'm not a pro at gaming stuff. I've seen <laughs> a couple things. Sylvia here is a gamer between us. Just a little bit, maybe <laughs> just... a few thousand hours. <laughs> She's teaching me, guys. (laughs) Okay, the second is very common amongst witches. In this scenario, you start as you did before. However, you bring all of your energy into your dominant arm and then bring it down into your pointer finger. From there, you send it out in a very pointed manner so as to be specific as to where it lands. This format is used to cast circle. The more pointed the energy, the more power it's going to carry, the more condensed it is. On a side note there's a fun way to test the strength and ability to direct your energy it's one that i like to use with my students it's by using something known as dowsing rods that swivel when held by another person correctly they will stay still until the other person using their energy is ready to direct it at the rods what this means is that the two people are standing facing each other and usually the person directing the energy towards the rods is about 10 feet away initially on the first try Yeah. yeah once they do they're going to concentrate on pushing the rods apart from each other with their dominant hand and pointer finger like scissors actually that's a good example so you'd imagine like a pair of scissors opening when you're pointing your energy and trying to get those rods to move Once you've succeeded in this, then you want to use your non-dominant hand to retrieve your energy by bringing the rods back together. In that case, what I like to do personally is I like to use the palm of my left hand, which is my non-dominant hand, to envision bringing those rods back together. Mm. This is usually the harder thing to do of the two things, bringing your energy back in. A lot of people can put it out, but bringing it back is a little bit harder. I have... Example, my, uh, one of my exes uh, had a very large energy, and we were in the same magical group, the same coven. And when we did this practice, he was standing 10 feet away, and he didn't have to do anything. Those rods just sprung wide open. Mm. His energy was super big, and that really was how he was in life. Whereas other people, most everyone else, had to really work at opening them. Now, I can't remember how he brought them back, if he was really good at it or not. I can't recall. That doesn't matter. What I found about myself is that my energy is a little crisscrossed, a little backwards. Okay. What happens with me is when I point my energy out, instead of the rods going open like a pair of scissors, they actually crisscross, which is bizarre, but it's sort of backwards and it's interesting. I definitely thought I was doing something wrong, but that's just how it is i've practiced over and over and that's how it is that's my energy i've accepted it when i go to bring my energy back in it uncrisscrosses them.
1: them
0: hmm it took practice to work with it regardless but it's a lot of fun to do i did it with sylvia mm-hmm. i love doing it whenever i get the chance i don't actually do it as much as i like to
1: yeah it's definitely a fun exercise to do with somebody else um and to trade sides and see how the other person does and You know, don't compare each other though. No, 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 don't do it. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Comparison chopping bad. Yeah. Another exercise to use to sense energy is to rub your hands together vigorously and then almost touch your leg and then slowly move your hands away. At a certain point, you will feel a lessening of resistance. You can do this kind of the other way where you start out away from your leg and move in where you feel resistance. That's where you stop you can try this all over your body what it is is you're actually kind of feeling your aura oh you might find that when you try it all over your body that it's actually about the same
0: distance from each part of you i'm curious to think what it would be if it weren't the same I just wonder if that ever happens
1: i don't know maybe a a sickness in that part or Hmm. something like that or maybe a blockage in one of your chakras Yeah. I can't say that I'm great at chakras. Yeah, neither am I. As far as directing energy, one of the things you can do to align yourself with a new tarot deck, oracle deck, or runes, or some other divinatory tool, is to mingle your energy with that of the tool. And you achieve this by holding the tool in your hand and either focusing your energy where the tool is, or by touching each and every piece of the tool, sending some energy
0: into it while touching it. Okay, I'm going to ask the stupid question that we put in here because, well, I put it in here not thinking. Are there any tools used when working with energy? Wands are a great example. Yeah, there are many. Dowsing rods is what I mentioned already. The athame we've mentioned, a broom, a pendulum. Those are just a few. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to go to our next segment, which is circle casting. What is it and how do we do it? Circle casting is a means by which witches create a container to keep positive energy in and negative energy while doing magic out. It's a three-dimensional sphere when done correctly and completely. You begin it by doing your energy work as I explained earlier, visualizing bringing your energy together within you as a ball of white light, focusing it down your dominant arm through your thame. we may have mentioned, maybe not. And athame is a tool that's used for focusing energy. Traditionally, it's used in rituals, but it is used for other magic as well. Yes?
1: Um, Athame is a double-bladed knife, yes. just for those,
0: just a little bit extra explanation there. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Once the energy is coming out of you in a focused way, you can begin casting your circle. Most commonly, you would begin in the north and go clockwise around the circle moving through each of the directions, north, east, south, west, while invoking the type of energy and spirits, which are optional, that you'd like to have surrounding your specific magical intent. You can opt to have your invocation be something that's memorized or something that flows freely from you, like as you walk the circle. I, as a solitary
1: practitioner, I like to do it freely and pull it from my heart you'll find in a lot of more traditional covens that they'll do memorized stuff.
0: Yeah, when I was in coven, I was really super nervous Mm. and I didn't know what I was doing. So I found it much easier to memorize. You would think maybe that was counterintuitive there. Then again, my energy is counterintuitive. But I found it easier to memorize something. And then later as I got more comfortable, that's when I started doing it freely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's sort of an example If you were doing full moon magic you might invoke mayari to bring in her strength to be lent to the magic at hand as well as the guiding light of the moon to shine as a beacon for your magic to find its intended path it's important to be sure you visualize that your end point meets up with your beginning point thus binding them together and sealing the circle at which point you might seal it by saying something like so mote it be as you know, most people do, or as my students would say, smib, which was just their fun cute little way, and always brought a little giggle to the room. There are two ways to cast a circle, one you've just heard and the other is done as three rounds, which can be easier. I should say that both methods are looking for the end result of a three-dimensional sphere. Doing the one-rounded method is a little more tricky because it's condensed version of the three-rounded method. Here's the three-rounded method approach, which is mostly used for rituals. You begin in the same manner as the one-rounded fashion by focusing your energy through an athame. However, here you consider each round as a separate plane, physical, mental, and spiritual.
1: I don't know if you pointed this out earlier, but you don't have to just have an athame, you can use your finger.
0: Um, yeah, I didn't specifically say that in this okay. instance, but we have talked a little bit about that. Okay. Thank you for bringing that to point. Sorry. No, that's great. In the first round, you're going to address all things physical and what you want of that focus to be. So for example, we cast this circle to be in full health, vitality, and strength. May our bodies be ever pure and open for the divine. The second round would be the mental, for example. We cast this circle for clarity of mind and the ability to focus our intention in the truest, most harmonious way possible. The third and final round is the spiritual. We cast this circle with those who came before us, whose knowledge precedes us and enlightens us, and we invite our ancestors to be our guides. Each round is walked fully as one round for that plane and sealed at the end of each round, at the very last round, you would say, so mote it be, or "smid." <laughs> Here's the tricky part. Whether it's one-rounded style or three, each circle must be seen as a complete sphere once the circle is fully cast. The three-rounded version is slightly easier because it breaks this process down. Circle one is one-dimensional and flat, like a horizontal hula hoop. Round two is a vertical hula hoop, and then the last round is similar to the first to by covering all the empty spaces and angles like a binding agent or a net, and thus a sphere. Also, while doing this, you have to visualize exactly where it's going. For example, if you live in an apartment, as I do, you need to make sure that your circle doesn't include the people who live above, below, or on either side of you. If you're in your own home, you have to think about how much of your space you really want inside the circle, keeping in mind any interferences that might be in other rooms, like maybe animals, people watching TV, kids running around, things out in the yard. So you have to really think about that. With spell work, you usually only need a small amount of space. If you're doing ritual, the space is going to be larger and you have to consider the amount of space you need if you have any activities going on, such as say a maypole which is coming up. Yes, it is. Here's a tricky one that I often use, which is because I'm a very nervous passenger and sometimes driver. I like to put a protective circle around my car or the car that I'm riding in. I would en- envision the circle encompassing just my car and make sure that I can maintain and hold that energy. In this case, the circle casting is style is very different. Here, I would let that white light grow inside of me and then let it exude from my body just far enough to encapsulate the vehicle. This is why you must know your energy and what you can do with it. That you are capable of harnessing it to the exact distance you need. You should always ask yourself, how big or small should this be in order to do that magic at hand? Make sure whatever you do, that it's a magic that you can sustain.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So question.
1: Yes. Can we leave circle without breaking it and maybe also return?
0: Absolutely. You can do this. Here's how. Once a circle is cast in the manner that I have already mentioned, and you need to exit it for some reason, imagine drawing up your energy as we've done before, and then directing it into an athame again. Now, let me just interject. This is usually done by the high priestess or priest. With your dominant hand, starting from left to right, start to draw the two sides of a letter A, or portion of a pie piece. Then from right bottom of the A to the left bottom of the A, draw a rounded line like the outside of a pie crust, at which point your dominant hand use your energy from the palm of your hand, not the athame, which is a different shape of energy, to push the newly made door open. Once you step outside the circle, turn and face the circle, and much like a tent, do the same thing backwards. If you're opening the circle for someone else, then once they have stepped out of the circle, you will close the circle by using your receiving hand to pull the energy of the door closed and seal it by doing the opening gestures backwards. From here, we thought we'd pivot and move our subject matter over to the moon. This energy work that we just spoke of is going to be very important for doing the work that we're talking from here on out, and we wanted to cover that as thoroughly as we possibly could so we could move forward in all the other pieces of fun stuff. (laughs) The first thing we have for you is timing your
1: spells with the moon. You can use the moon in the timing of your spells The moon can give an extra boost to your magic if you know how to use it. Mm -hmm. The phases of the moon that we use um, are waxing, full, waning, dark, and new moon. Now, each of these phases has a certain type of magic associated with it. You have three days before the phase and three days after the phase to actually work with the energy of that phase. Yeah, that's really nice to have that room and space if you don't hit it right on the mark. Yeah. We're going to start out with the waxing moon and that is when the moon is going from new to full, or when it's quote-unquote
0: growing. It's associated with the maiden who has the power of quickening magic. Therefore, it's a really good time for beginning things, especially when following a spell from start to finish all the way through the month's moon cycle. It's also good for magic pertaining to new beginnings. Mm Mm-hmm. This time is great for
1: growth. Especially for planting plants invocation reception you know bringing things to yourself calling things to you healing anything you want to increase and good for beginning projects Mm. this is great for beginning projects that you want to work through the cycle of the moon
0: that you'd like to come to fruition during the full moon and uh yeah you can also do it just using it for a regular spell that you want to do just one time spell that you need to do quickly That doesn't go through the whole cycle. Yeah, exactly.
1: Next is full moon. Um, This is when the moon is fully illuminated.
0: It's associated with the mother and her nurturing energy. And when the goddess is closest to us, she helps with manifestation of the energy you've been working on. She is vitality, change, fertility, and comfort. Something set in motion prior to the full moon will see fruition at the full moon. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: The full moon is especially powerful energy and you might want to look to the Zodiac sign that the moon is in to see what kind of spell to use. This is a great time to charge your tools. We will cover that in another podcast. Yep. Great for success, spirituality, luck, a great time to show gratitude and ground and solidify your manifestations. Invoking and acknowledging any of your positive traits and affirmations waning moon this is the time between full and dark moons when the light of the moon is quote-unquote decreasing it is for decreasing magic banishing dealing with fears removing obstacles protection this is really the time that you want to use for things that you need to shed that you need to get rid of to
0: help you dissolve ties and that sort of thing just got this thought i really wonder if anybody out there knows the answer to this maybe we should look it up but i wonder do snakes like do it with the moon i just i don't know it was just oh, some... shed their skin yeah do you know
1: i don't know i don't think so probably but maybe, not maybe. that's still a fun thought it is a fun thought okay sorry no worries our next one is the dark moon and new moon and these are together for a specific reason Within the same six-day period, the dark moon and the new moon share time. According to astronomers, the new moon is when the moon is dark, whereas those of us in the pagan witchy persuasion call it the dark moon. The new moon to us is the first crescent of a waxing moon, so there's a little bit of a difference there. You might hear the dark moon called the new moon. Just keep that in mind.
0: This is the time of the crone. She offers deeper insights and perceptions. She is the seer. It's also a time for banishing magic. It's a time of endings and completion, which will leave room for new beginnings. Mm-hmm. Maybe a dark moon, but it's not a scary time. No.
1: It's a very... It's time of rest, sort of. Yeah, it's a time of rest. It's, you shouldn't do any spells at this point. It's also it's a good time for divination, though. Now, we had another topic that we came up on the subject of moons is lunar eclipses, because that's not something you find very often out there. There's not a whole lot of info on it. Yeah, I was really curious about that. Yeah, you can thank Tatiana (laughs) for this particular topic. She was the one that thought of it, and I thank her for it. (laughs) It was a great question. Now, a lunar eclipse is when the sun and moon are on opposite sides of the Earth, and the moon crosses something called the ecliptic. She's
0: telling you this because I asked this question. I am not real familiar with this stuff, and I don't know the details, so she was kind enough to try and explain it to me.
1: (laughs) The ecliptic is simply the apparent path that the sun takes in the Earth's sky. As the moon crosses the ecliptic, the shadow of the Earth covers the moon, causing an eclipse. Now, an eclipse has some of the energy of the dark moon because the moon goes dark at the time of an eclipse. But also it is a time to bring things that are in darkness to light. Probably really good for um, shadow work.
0: Hmm.
1: It's a good time to charge moon or holy water. It's a good idea to keep in mind which sign the moon is in, just like the full moon, so that if you do a spell, you know which might be the most empowered type of magic. You can search the internet for the sign that the moon's going to be in, or you can buy calendars with the lunar signs in it. I have a few examples for you of each sign that the moon can be in that you can work with the magic that it works with. And these are only a few suggestions. I'd suggest going out there and doing some research and figuring out your own associations with these signs. But here's a few suggestions. Aries is confronting obstacles and assertiveness Taurus is help in obtaining material things or fortitude Gemini communication and learning cancer emotional support and protection Leo is leadership and courage I need some more of that I'm a Leo (laughs) I need some more courage (laughs) Virgo is discernment and pets Libra is love and balance Scorpio is sexuality and power my favorite because Scorpio is my particular sign Sagittarius is knowledge and travel Capricorn is self control and career Aquarius is change and adventure Pisces is dreams
0: and creativity cool thank you for doing that research and helping me out with that I hope other listeners found that interesting hopefully useful hopefully useful yeah I'd like to take a moment here and address or clarify something from our last podcast, if anyone listened to that particular one, concerning having children in circle. As you may recall, I was pretty strongly against it. However, what I forgot to mention is that there are instances where it can turn out to be a good thing, or quote-unquote, meant to be, when a child is distracting during magic. Although it's inadvisable to have children in adult rituals or magic, It can be entirely different when it's during a ritual for children or magic that you are doing while the child is present, which is, of course, your choice. In some cases, a distraction might be an additive to the magic or a turning point away from something that was planned but wasn't meant to happen. Before we go, I'd like to share a tarot card for this podcast today. And I pulled the Knight of Swords, ready to take it charge and take action. Be consciously aware of how you affect those around you with the actions you take. Either be the rescuer or the rescued. I take this to mean be responsible for your actions. Be there for others and let others be there for you. But don't go diving in without some foresight and contemplation. Read your environment and act accordingly. If you've been interested in this, enjoyed this, please join us next episode where we are going to talk further about the moon and, well, whatever else floats our boat. (laughs) Please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you found us. I'm
1: Tatiana saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia saying so long, and thank you for writing with us.
0: This has been Powered Powered by by Magic. Magic.